Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, February 3rd, 2023. I'm your host, Brian Peterangelo, and welcome to the podcast. And with me today, I'd like to introduce our panel of investing experts here to provide their insights on this week's market activity. George Mateo, Chief Investment Officer, Steve Haight, Head of Equities, Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income, and Cindy Honcharenko, Senior Fixed Income Portfolio Strategist. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series, addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. In addition, if you have any questions or need more information, please reach out to your financial advisor. Taking a look at this week's news, we had two relevant announcements. First, out of Gobbler's Knob, Pennsylvania, Punxsutawney Phil forecasted six more weeks of winter after seeing his shadow on Thursday. And second, out of Washington, D.C., Jay Powell and the Federal Reserve forecasted six more weeks of rate hikes after analyzing the economic data on Wednesday. In addition, the committee raised interest rates by 25 basis points. Also, throughout the week, the economic data was dominated by multiple reports on the employment and jobs landscape. In particular, job openings for December increased over November up to 11 million. Initial unemployment claims remained low at 183,000 for the prior week. Wages and salaries increased 5.1% year over year. And just this morning, the unemployment rate decreased to 3.4% while new non-farm payrolls for January increased by 517,000, well above expectations, continuing to show a strong labor market for now. So Cindy, let's turn to you first for a recap of the Fed meeting and your thoughts on what this means for the near future. So the Fed delivered a hawkish downshift. So they they slowed the pace of tightening to 25 basis points, Uh, but leaning against the notion that policymakers might be inclined to deliver less restriction relative to the previous guidance. So we've seen 50 basis point uh, rate hikes up to this point, and now uh, they're definitely downshifting. Uh, They want to assess the data. Uh, Chair Powell suggested at least a couple more rate hikes are coming. I'm not sure if he he, he must have had uh, some uh, inside knowledge on today's jobs report. Uh, the mission is not yet accomplished. So the news that have, has been coming in uh, on the economy has been good, but apparently not good enough for Fed officials to declare victory quite yet. Uh, according to the tone of messaging from the uh, communication in the press conference from Powell, he repeatedly reverted uh, to emphasize a critical tranche of the core inflation data, core services, excluding rents, uh, had, had yet to, to see any material evidence of disinflation. Uh, while he's fully on board with uh, a proceed with caution mantra for additional tightening, he firmly rebutted the benefits of pausing and resuming tightening at a later point. Policymakers are impressed or at least intrigued by the improvement of inflation uh, given the in, in, inordinately tight labor conditions. The statement shows resolve for terminal funds rate above 5%. Uh, The lack of changes to the statement speaks loudly. The Fed could have easily introduced more uncertainty about the forward rate path. 
uh, they could have removed ongoing and used singular increase, uh, but they did not. They were less downbeat on global activity. The communication no longer said Russia's war against Ukraine is lifting inflation and weighing on global activity. Instead, they viewed the war as contributing to elevated global uncertainty. And I also think that China's reopening from the zero COVID policies is also uh, an upside. Fed prefers overdoing it versus underdoing it. I think that basically is, sets the whole tone of, of the rate action on Wednesday and the uh, press conference. My favorite quote from Powell at the press conference is I, I continue to think that it's very difficult to manage the risk of doing too little and finding out in six or 12 months that we actually were close but didn't get the job done. Inflation springs back and we have to go back in and now you really do worry about expectations getting unanchored and that kind of thing. This is a very difficult risk to manage, whereas we have no incentive or desire to over tighten. But if we feel we have gone too far, we could certainly. And inflation is going, coming down faster than we expect. We do have tools that would work on that. I think, Cindy, you're right to kind of suggest that maybe the Fed uh, had an early uh, preview or some kind of knowledge anyway about the, the, today's jobs report. I'm sure they didn't, but, um, you know, it, it does beg the question, given what's happened this morning. So just to recap, and we saw jobs in December uh, rose 517,000, which I think was almost three times that of what the consensus estimate. You know, these numbers are always kind of, uh, I think, curious to me in the sense that the the revisions are are wild month to month. I mean, so I think there's a lot of variability around the numbers, but you can't really take away the fact that the, the number was really quite strong this morning. Um, you know, wages grew uh, a little less than expected, which is good. So wages have come down four and a half percent or so, down from roughly 5% a month or two ago. And we've seen, as you pointed out, Cindy, some slowing other parts of the economy too that, that Powell referenced uh, in his uh, press release the other day that, you know, consumer spending has kind of downshifted a little bit, uh, manufacturing as well. And I think the thing you, you talked about, your favorite quote with respect to the Fed, I thought my, one of my favorite um, uh, takeaways was that he was talking about that there's now some deflation in the goods sector, um, which kind of suggests that maybe there's actually price declines going there. Today's report, however, I think kind of, uh, if nothing else, it probably validated the Fed's view uh, and probably dismissed the market's view that the, the Fed has been saying, as you pointed out for some time, that they need to, um, to respond and kind of address the, um, the overall tight labor market. Earlier this week, job openings came out, and I think there's, this is through December now, I think there are 11 million jobs uh, still open right now, and you kind of bounce that against the number of people that are looking for work, that ratio is still pretty high. So the Fed has kind of implicitly targeted that, uh, that number between job openings and the number of workers that are unemployed as being out of balance, and we're out of balance by about a margin of two to one. So I, again, I think it kind of reinforces their view that, um, that they need to kind of stay higher for longer, um, you know, so not that notwithstanding the fact that we've seen some, some maybe some uh, deflation in the good sector, I kind of wonder now if that's uh, that's going to be transitory. Again, not to use a word that people hate, but that's the word that seems to be kind of in my mind, Rishi, with respect to what the Fed's thinking about inflation. What do you make of that? Well, that's a very good point, George. I mean, I, I think that uh, your comments and Cindy's comments are on point. And, uh, you know, my, my takeaway really was that, uh, you know, we've seen Fed Chair Powell come out in the past in his press conference and, and sound a lot more hawkish than the market is anticipating, and I think he could have been a little more hawkish in this uh, presser uh, because he came out right away and said that things have gotten better, the Fed sees improvement, like you mentioned, George. Uh, there's also an acknowledgement that inflation has moved past its peak. 
the meeting and the presser did not offer any signal of a pivot uh, because inflation is still elevated. And he did mention that uh, job gains. He talked about job gains uh, before the numbers that came out today and said they're still robust. Uh, so ongoing increases in rates will be appropriate is what he's saying, but uh, he had opportunities in the press conference to be hawkish. Uh, the only hawkish message that I saw, and I think Cindy alluded to it, was that you know labor market is still extremely tight. We saw it this morning with those numbers. And then the reiteration of the message that the policy needs to be more restrictive for longer. Uh, but the market uh, really took these comments in stride. Right after the press conference, the market rallied. We saw the 10-year Treasury note yield fall 10, 10 basis points. So essentially, the market does not believe in what the Fed is really saying or their rate projections. Fed funds futures still see the Fed only getting to around 5% before cutting 50 basis points by year end, where the Fed is showing that they're not planning on cutting at all in 2023. And if we look at Fed fund futures, they show slightly uh, higher odds of maybe a 25 basis point rate hike in March. But really, you have to look further out and the, the market's anticipating these, uh, these rate cuts in the fourth quarter. So overall, we did see bonds, stocks, both rally after the Fed uh, press conference. We saw other central banks this week, like the ECB, commit to another 50 base point increase in March. That should be viewed as hawkish, but again, yields in Europe fell as well. So bond yields fell about 22 basis points. So the market, not just the US market, but global markets are not really buying into this, uh, this notion that the Fed's gonna keep on raising rates and not cut later this year. And now the Fed on it is, had been on a blackout period. Uh, Fed members have not been able to say much. The jobs number that came out today came in really hot. I think Fed members take this opportunity. They're gonna dial up the rhetoric that the job is still not done. We should anticipate that, especially next week. Uh, the hope that the Fed cuts rates later this year is now being challenged by that massive job print and unemployment is at a five decade low. So this supports the Fed's view that we have more to work more to work on. They're gonna hold the Fed funds at five and a quarter through 2023, but the market remains optimistic, George. Hey, Rajiv, so if you think about what they said during the press conference, multiple increases, yeah. I think that's a difference between what people might've expected. So to be clear for our listeners, that's an increase in March and another increase in May. Is that how you interpret it? That's exactly how I interpreted it. I think when we started the year off, they were talking about 75 basis points to get to their five and a quarter. And uh, that puts them right in line to do this 25, another 25 uh, next next time in March, one month gap, and then one more 25. And I think the market's viewing this as, okay, that's fine, but then there's going to be cuts. And uh, that's going to be the big thing. And I, and I really think the March meeting, as I mentioned before, is extremely important because that's where we get the summary of economic projections. So in those projections, if we don't see a rate cut, there, that disconnect between the market and the Fed will be further amplified. So recognizing the fact that the Fed and the economy was probably um, at least center stage for the latter half of this week, I think, Steve, the first half of this week, at least as I see it, was kind of, it was kind of dominated by earnings and, and company reporting uh, results for the last quarter. You know, we've been talking over a while now that we've kind of thought that this notion with respect to the Fed would be more of a pause and a pivot, but we've also been signaling that uh, earnings would be a little bit, um, a little bit soft this year. How things played out thus far in, by your lights? Exactly how we've expected. Numbers have come in generally um, weaker than than ex expected. If you take a look at the the market in aggregate. Um, we've seen the forward earnings forecast for the S&P 500 continue to move lower. 
over the course of earnings season that does not typically occur. Typically you see the number go higher as we go through earnings season. So this has been one of those few quarters where the numbers have gone lower as we've come out. Um, that said, um, the market really just doesn't care, George. So they, the, 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 the market is looking at this um, and basically giving uh, just about everybody a pass. So if you beat on earnings, you're not really gaining as much as you usually do for a beat. And if you miss, uh, you're not really getting penalized as much as you, you, you usually get penalized on a, on a normal quarterly uh, basis. So, you know, really it, it's all come down to the macro factors. Um, and, you know, the simple fact is to, I, I look at a number of different things to try to gauge the strength of this market, you know, you try to to look for for the the breadth, what we call the breadth of participation. Um, so the, the the larger the number of stocks that are moving in one direction, uh, the 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 higher propensity is that you've had a change in the market trend. Obviously, we've been in a downtrend for the last year or so, um, but uh, we saw. This yesterday, literally yesterday, 60% of the Russell 3000 index constituents traded a new 20-day high. The last time we had uh, hit 60% on that was in June of 2020. Um, the last time we had two of these levels where we've seen the Russell 3000 constituents go above 50%, two of them within a, a fairly short period of time was April 2020 and June 2020. And we've had two of them within the last two weeks. So uh, the market is not behaving like a bear market anymore. The market is behaving like an, like we've seen an early cycle turn. Um, and you know the question is gonna be whether the Fed really reigns on that parade or not. Because I do think that it's been the macro driven idea that the Fed is gonna pivot, not pause, that's driven a lot of this uh, exuberance in the equity markets. So, you know, just as a technician, you look at it and when you see all the cyclical sectors leading, you see the momentum signature that we've seen given by the market within the last few days, you, you know, you, 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 you've got to put your bullish hat on. Um, but at the same time, when you sit here and you look at the ISM services coming in at 55.2 up from up six points from last month, um, you know, just while we were talking on this call, uh, consensus was for 50 and a half. I mean, none of this, the jobs numbers, the ISM numbers, none of this is consistent with a Fed pivot. And, you know, if we get to the middle of the year and the market doesn't get the pivot, I really think that we're going to be talking about um, the potential for a, for, for a rocky second half of the year. I mean, the market priced in 50, almost 50 basis points of additional cuts in 2023 during Powell's press conference. It was fascinating to watch the Fed Fund's futures during that press conference. So I think there's just a huge disconnect here. Really, I mean, it's, you, you don't want to get in the way of the freight train on a short-term basis, but, you know, as we head into the second half of the year, the, things are going to get really interesting. Well, indeed they will, and I think we'll have to stay attentive to that. I think it is important to note that, um, for now anyway, uh, growth is doing a bit better. The economy is actually holding in there. The labor market is still quite tight, and I think our view that the Fed is likely to pause, not pivot, probably remains probably more enforced today than it did just a few days ago. So I think that's important to note. 
And in that, that backdrop, again, we want to stay pretty diversified towards risk, um, not lean too far either direction right now, be balanced towards risk, and really be fully diversified in this environment for whatever comes our way next. Well, thanks for the great conversation today, George, Steve, Rajiv, and Cindy. We appreciate your insights. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. And as always, past performance is no guarantee of future results, and we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information, and we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, key private client, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, a member of FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Key Private Bank and Key Bank Institutional Advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC, or KISS, a member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency, USA Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with Key Bank. Investments and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not being guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. eBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2023.